Hey everybody, I'm Alec, this is Lunchbox Radio, and this week we're talking about a show called Aka 13 Territory Inspection. Oftentimes when you talk about anime, you inevitably end up on different forms of art, like Sumi-E, or Disney cartoons, or or just the general idea of animation, which in anime terms is usually referred to as Sakuga, which is, like, all, being all about animation and, like, a really particular type of perfect animation. Um, but something that anime draws a lot from, more than... I think a lot of people realize or give it credit for is Art Nouveau. And Art Nouveau is this style of art that was used a lot in the 21st century and was really a very commercialized style of art. It's meant to be uh, very illustrative, but at the same point, it it feels like advertising a lot of times because it was that I I myself have an original Art Nouveau print and a blow and a blown up poster of Salon Descent, which is a famous Alphonse Musha print. I have a less famous original Alphonse Musha print, but I found that when I was traveling abroad and bought it for $15, found out it's worth a lot more. But, um, the style is is definitely there, and part of it is the kind of the kind of ultra-simplified, ultra-perfected, clean style of anime, and, um, the same kind of style for Art Nouveau, or traditional Art Nouveau illustrations, are very similar. But other times, you see shows like, and I'm not making any judgments on this show, I've seen parts of it and I don't think it's very good, but people see it and they love it, so good for them. Um, A show called Elf and Lead. Elf and Lead is fairly obsessed with a particular Art Nouveau painting, I think it's called The Lady in Gold. That's a pretty famous demonstration of, like, this is what one of the things that Art Nouveau can look like. Um, but the reason why I want to talk about this style up front is because it really influences very heavily, in my opinion, the styling of Akka, um which just, it had this very simplistic style, but it's got a very, but it's very stark, and it's very, it doesn't, it, you don't perceive it as flat, but you feel it's a flatness there. Um, but now that we've gotten past, like, the stylistics of the show, which it, like I said, it looked, if you've ever seen an Art Nouveau print and you're like, I would watch that in motion, Akka is a good place to start. It's a, it's really beautifully done. 
It has um, it has a really impressively amazing soundtrack, in my opinion. The opening song, like, gets you ready for the kind of show it is. The 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 episode to episode, the like general episode to episode ending, is not in my opinion super strong, but the ending that they use for the entire show is like a real knockout way to go out for that show and it's really well done but in terms of the plot this is a fairly unique show for two reasons A it is a government drama it's a like it's by by episode three, it's got itself all wrapped up in spies and, like, all this, like, Michigas with all of the different parts of government and how they interact and how they don't want to interact. And, like, a coup d'etat is happening. Um, but the basic setup of this show is... There is a kingdom that was united of thirteen different ter- of thirteen different essentially countries that then become essentially like states in the United States, but they're referred to as territories. So each territory has its own has its own autonomy, but they all work under the banner of one country, much like the United States. Um, but the it, the difference here is that there's a king. So there is a king, but then under the king, and under the king and the royal family, there is this basically wholesale government bureaucracy that helps keep everybody doing the right thing and going through the right processes, and that's called Akka. Or it's referred to as Akka. I forget the... They they just refer to it as Akka. I'm not... I don't entirely remember what the... What it is an abbreviation of. But... The whole... that So that whole bureaucracy is where the show is focused. And it's focused in particular on this one odd character... Who I I think the show is really clever to do this. He's you you understand that he's not he's not like a foot soldier in the like government organization, but he's not he's clearly not the like top of the pile. He's like two fourths are under him, and he's like in the three fourths section of like the operating hierarchy. And that's because he is an inspection officer for the all the different Akka branches. So his job is to go from branch to branch, running inspections, and like making sure that everything's above board. And I think it's by episode two. Actually, I think it's episode... It's either episode one or two where you find out that... He, he does uncover things, and he does uncover, like, plots and corruption, um, all up and down the board, like, things, like, the first, he discovers things, like, 
you know, a, in that episode, I think he discovered that basically one of the government, one of the members of that branch is helping the black market to peddle cigarettes. And uh, it's really interesting because he, in this in the show, the main character smokes, and it's it just it's actually portrayed the way smoking used to be portrayed. And like, if you look at Cowboy Bebop, smoking looks like a very cool thing. But the way that the culture has acted towards smoking has uh, been steered away from being as quote-unquote cool. But in this show, it's portrayed also as being a sign that the person doing it is rich. So, because of taxes, trade, all that stuff, the cost of tobacco is, like, through the roof. They make that really clear. Um, and one of the th- good, one of the really interesting things about this show is that they use the surroundings very well. So, you learn that Gene, the main character, is at the very least perceived as being very wealthy and and lives very well off because you what in the first episode in one of the very first I think the second scene he walks past a, a crowd of people and they and somebody and you hear an offhand remark go wow those things are expensive and he's just smoking them on the street holy crap he must must be good to be him um. And also, the, 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 this air that he gets just from being, like, high up in the governmental, like, system of just, he's always traveling, he has his expenses paid for travel by the government, and, like, other branches take him out to, like, these big dinners. And that's the other thing about... That's the second thing I want to get to about this show. Is that it is... Not so quietly a, like, a foodie anime. It's not like a food show like Food Wars or, like, um, Yakitake Japan or any of those. But it is a foodie anime. Like, the characters in this all appreciate good food. And they... They all, like, the culture, the culture of the show, not really of the, of the universe in the show, but of the show kind of quietly, or not so quietly, revolves around food. They always make sure to focus on, like, a plate of food and, like, show you what they're eating and show you how they're eating it. Um, and... They always have conversations around, like, around food, and, like, the characters mention it all the time. And it's not always complicated food, which is really interesting. It it is, there are moments where the food is very complex and very gorgeous, but there are also moments where the food is very simple, and it's just presented as being, like, here's this kind of, wonderfully made bread that's just been toasted. Isn't it awesome? Um, which I really appreciate because, 
lots of food anime, and this is a thing that Food Wars does and doesn't do, focuses on, like, the over-preparedness of, like, beautifully luscious, awesome food. And this show says, like, yeah, there is that stuff, but there's also just, like, sandwich bread. And there is a character that gets obsessed with sandwich bread in this show, which is really hilarious. But in addition to that, they also use food to demonstrate people's cultures. Like, um, there is a, there is a character in the show, her name, her, her name's Mauve, and for all intents and purposes, she's French. And not just French, she's Parisian, basically. And they have a scene where Jean basically, when she asked Jean to go out to dinner with her, and he said yes, because this woman is portrayed as being absolutely gorgeous, and she is absolutely gorgeous, and she's very mysterious, and not... She's very mysterious, pretty, and... She kind of knows it. She kind of knows that she looks good and she know and she wears clothes well and all that. Um but you find out you find out that she's basically Parisian when he takes her when she asks him to to dinner and she takes him to this like high-end French restaurant. And when I say that she's Parisian, I don't mean that the show takes place in, like, a real-world setting where they say, like, okay, France somehow ended up in this, like, weird con- configuration. They more... It's clear that all of the different territories in this show were based off of different countries. Like, you... You meet characters who are clearly French, who, characters who are clearly American. There mm. is a whole sec, a whole important section of this show that is spent with characters who are clearly Native American and, like, what that means and what it means to have that heritage and how that heritage plays into decision-making. Uh, it, the show is a very, very, very political show, mm. But it avoids the, like, pitfalls of a show like Gate or a show like Terror and Resonance, which are also very political shows, and they have political messages. They have political... They have things to say about politics by making the whole thing a complete fantasy. Like, by taking it out of the world and saying, like, okay, what if this this country and this country were next to each other and what if like Saudi Arabia was over here and like France was o- and Paris was over here and like what if New York were just wholly supplanted here and what if like Germany was over here and it's it's done very carefully and the universe of the show M- make gives you an 
lets you believe that, like, okay, this one country is this one, this one part of this country this way, but right over here, it's totally different. And they strike that balance really well, and like I said, because it is a fantasy, it doesn't run into the pitfalls of feeling preachy like, um... Terran Resonance does. Terran Resonance, if you've never seen it, is a very specific left-leaning point of view and was made for a very specific reason. Or Gate, which I tend to I tend to like. Uh, that show is entertaining to me, but what it has to say about like, the military, and militarism, and how good, and how good that is, is very one-sided, um, the, what's the word, the show, um, Samurai Flamenco, if anybody's ever seen that, if you haven't seen that show, I encourage you Go take that ride. I think you can watch it. Uh, I know you can watch it on Crunchyroll. I think you can also watch it on Hulu and Funimation. But um, that that show has some major opinions about different things in politics and society. But those shows all ostensibly take place in the real world. So they're they're hamstrung by tying themselves to basically the modern day at, at the time they were made, um, at, or being made in direct response to things like nine eleven or credit or criticism or ill feelings towards the military or um. So, like the superhero genre and what it means to be a superhero and what it means to be a vigilante in the twenty first in the actual real world twenty first century for a while. Um but this show by creating its own universe and firmly giving you piece by piece kind of the rule of its universe lets you sit in it and watch it and see all of the points it's trying to make very clearly because it doesn't try to make them while also dealing with the way the real world would handle it. It says, like, there's a territory in the show that is basically totally controlled and oppressed and, like, pressed into the shape it's in because it is it is mandated that, like, it, this is a traditional part of the... It's a traditional state. It, work, it, it always works like this. It will always work like this. You're not allowed to have this. This is banned in the state. Um, there is a... There is a... Like I said, there is a state that is almost basically a 
Indian reservation and one of the major one of the major characters of the show comes from that reservation and they explain why he is the way he is in relation to why he why he comes from there in the re- in relation to why that is based on his cultural heritage and they explain how he came to have his current position based on what he did in his like home quote unquote home territory or home state or home reservation whatever you want um but the show the show sets this all up and it handles it very elegantly um but the basically the show introduces you to Gene and they give you his nickname which is the cigarette peddler and that's because cigarettes in this show are very are very expensive they're like hardly anybody ever smokes them but they are seen as like a as like not just like as a treat but like as this high-end expensive privilege of the wealthy so there are tons of people who would smoke them but don't because they can't they can't afford them or like they only have a couple left and Gene's trademark is basically carried around a cigarette case and if you ask him for a cigarette he'll give one to you usually um and that plays into the show because in his inspections he starts to he basically starts to get these different cigarettes from different regions of the country. Like, he'll get a brown one here and a black one there, and, like, a red one with a blue band there and a blue one with a yellow band there, and, like, he... The idea is that he's slowly getting 13 different cigarettes that represent each territory's support of a coup d'etat, meaning that someone... Someone unbeknownst to him had set him up as the instigator and the go-between and maybe even the, like, fuse that lights the match of a coup d'etat of a revolution that unseats the royal family and abolishes it completely permanently and then raises the Aka, the... The and then makes the like government that keeps the country running the like end all be all of the country basically make gets rid of the monarchy and makes like a collective dictatorship if that makes any sense or or makes like a republic happen basically um and you given the reason to believe by the show this might be a good thing because the king is this old is this 99 years young as they pose it in the show um man who has been king for almost a century obviously but his grandson because that's the that was the first male in the, like, 
family tree since him is going to be king. Is is next in line to the throne, and what he wants to do is is get rid of Akka and make it a complete and perfect monarchy where he is the person who called all the shots all the time. And the show says that's not really a problem. Except for the fact that this kid is a pompous asshole. And he's he's only chief he's chiefly he's chiefly concerned with being worshipped and being pandered to and all that crap. Much like many politicians right now, which I find really interesting. Um because this this show came out kind of it came out alongside the 2016 elections and everything that was going on. Um, but the... That character... So, so someone so someone in the show, they, ne- they do a really good job of hiding who and hiding exactly why, is setting up a coup d'etat. To basically overthrow the, you think at first to overthrow the monarchy, and Gene is set up as this like, basically this. He's set up to be this go-between because he not only knows the districts intimately because he's visited them many times, but he regularly goes to each district and the show comes in on him having to inspect each district do a full inspection basically in like 12 months or whatever so he goes from district to district to district to district and he spends a certain amount of time in each district and he gets a cigarette from each district you come to realize that he doesn't quite know what's going on. <laughs> he just thinks that, like, because to him, them giving him a cigarette from the district, he is well known as be as being someone who smokes and like carries around a cigarette case. So he gets. So he just thinks at first he thinks like, oh, that's odd. I wonder who sent it to me. I guess I'll save it. It's like a cool thing, and then he keeps getting them. Before much longer, you realize you and he realizes that like these cigarettes mean something. I don't know what they are, but I should keep accepting them because I don't know what they mean. And then later, you find out that you find you at this point you know about the coup d'état. Later, you find out that he is a a kind of long separated member of the royal family and you realize oh someone is trying to set him up to take over the throne instead of the kind of pompous grandson because he is he is technically first in line to the throne and then eventually you realize that all of the like machinations and like plots that were being hatched are all at the whims of one of the five chief 
officers. And that chief officer is basically making a play so his family can control the country with their oil with their oil reserves. And it they do it all slowly enough where you'll slowly enough where you'll never see it coming. <laughs> and the whole show throws you for a loop pretty quickly. And in in like a pretty quick succession and it does it in a way that's believable. It does it in a way where you understand, like, oh, oh, holy crap. And you see why they have all the different building blocks they do, specifically because they need to present you with all the pieces where all the stuff that they're telling you is true seems like, A, it could be true, but B here are the reasons why. Instead of some shows that say like, oh, like, Terror Residence is a perfect example of this. Like, the main characters in in that show are like, basically, child child super soldiers, who failed child super soldiers. But they never present that in a clear way. They never sit, they never take the viewer through in any way why that mattered or who really made it possible or why these child soldiers needed to exist at all. So, like, that revelation just feels like, oh, what a twist! It feels very M. Night Shyamalan-y unearned. Um, but, in... Aka, they introduce you all these characters and they give you little bits in pieces constantly. Actually, this is this is a show where I would recommend. Usually, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me either way. People watch any of these shows, but I would recommend that you watch this dubbed because they give you so many little pieces of just conversation that then matter down the line. Like, um, chief... Like, the chief officer who basically set this whole thing in motion is Lillian, and he is the chief officer who is from basically Saudi Arabia. And it's... Basically, people tell you over time that his family has slowly been occurring... Acquiring political power and industrial power over time, and and yes, he and not only is he a chief officer, but one of his brothers is a branch manager. So he's his family has been weaving itself into Aka slowly for a while, and then you find out that he basically has control over Grothler through a series of, like, events. And you also find out that Grothler was the person to deal with Jean's parents' death. And you also find out... you, you It's made clear that Jean and his sister, who he lives with, are 
their parents are dead and blah 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 blah. Um, but they take it all slowly. They take it all, like I said, slowly enough that you won't see it coming. And also, but when you it does present itself to you, you realize, oh, this is this is like. This is the actual story behind all these people and how it all connects, and it does it really skillfully. And I think it's it has the kind of conspiratorial quality in government that oftentimes people want to believe it's there. That like the people want to believe that it's like this. I always refer to it, people want to believe in U.S. government that somehow Abraham Lincoln is alive and he's fighting a shadow war with remnants of Nazis and the Confederate Army. People basically want, people want, uh, are very willing to believe the Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter scenario of U.S. government. Because the reality is never really that exciting. The reality is, you know, people do things government basically to benefit themselves and people like them. So when you elect, when you elect somebody who is a billionaire, they will do things that benefit billionaires. Because they are trying to do things that will benefit them. Everybody wants to change government to benefit them. If, if you talk to a Democrat, they will say, like, I want this, this, and this. And if you ask them why and you really dr- drill down into it, it has something to do with what they believe, and ultimately it will benefit them in, like, justifying those beliefs somehow, or protecting them, or directly benefiting them. If you talk to uh many cancer patients, they'll be Democrats because they want health insurance so they can afford they want health insurance or public health care so they can afford to continue living. It's as simple as that. If you talk to a banker who, and it's not even about money necessarily, who spends all day dealing with tons of regulations and tons of red tape, they are oftentimes likely to vote Republican because they just want to get that stuff out of the way. They want to make their lives easier. And that is chiefly what Akka trades in it. It shows that, like, Yes, there are people who totally believe in the system and they believe in all the good in the world, but more often than not, generally, people want to do good for themselves, above all. The idea in Akka is that while people, is that, like, yes, people are great together, but they also believe that while people are greatest together, they believe that they will be greatest alone. And that they, they all, 
take part in the like togetherness of it until they can find a way to advance themselves further. Um, but it's, it's it's a really interesting show. It is really beautifully made. Um, it's got a manga that I think is done by Monglobe. But um, the same people who did House of Five Leaves. Um, and he he does really interesting stuff with every manga he makes. Like, the House of Five Leaves, I'm told, is really interesting and fascinating. I've just have never sat all the way through it. Um, and that's more a failing on my part, I suppose. But definitely go check it out. And if you like this show, if you like this episode of this show, you should probably check out more of it. There's a, a bunch of episodes more of it, um, including an episode, our two most pop, my two most popular episodes on, on Boruto, um, and my episode on Yuri on Ice. So you can check those two out in um, in the feed as well. If you're on iTunes, it should give you those. It's like the most popular ones. Um, and also, you, I've got episodes and things like Blood Blockade Battlefront, um, Ancient Megas Bride... Um, Napping Princess. I've got all kinds of stuff for you to check out. So check those out. Um, but you can also subscribe to this podcast. And you'll get a new one every Friday. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter. At Alex Holt Cohan. It's actually on the um, album art for this show. But I will also include it in the show notes. So you can check it out. Um, until next week, I have been Alex. We talked about Aka 13 Territory Inspection today. And I will see you next week.